1: Dressed, the history of fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. Over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Trust:
0: the history of fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy
1: Zachary. Well, hello, dress listeners. We want to welcome you to another edition of Fashion History Now. And we are fresh off the hills of the end of Pride Month. So, I mean, every day is Pride in my opinion. Every month yes. should be Pride Month. But um, you know, in June, we in particular we celebrate Pride. And front and center this year was really the support for Black trans lives, right? Black trans lives matter um that was really front and center as a result of the you know the black trans uh, black lives matter movement and you know many of us i have to say myself included were introduced to activist and performer marsha p johnson for the first time
0: oh i love her
1: yeah i had i had never heard of her and apparently april i don't know if you know this but the p stood for pay it no mind, um, which is kind of <laughs> the answer she gave when people inquired as to her gender. Johnson was really this pioneering figure in the in what was then in the 60s and 70s, the nascent LGBT rights movement. And, you know, specifically she played a, a big role in the Stonewall riots, um, which was this 1969 watershed event that is largely responsible for the reason we all celebrate Pride Today. And this year marked the 51st anniversary of the riots that happened really in response to just like instituted decades and decades, I mean, hundreds of years of oppression of the LGBT community, right? So that was a time when people finally started fighting back um, and fighting for their rights. And
0: particularly, um, actually, um, a a systemic abuse by the police. Right. And uh, busting not only gay-friendly bars, particularly the Stonewall Inn, where they were always staging raids, but also just arresting trans women on the street simply for walking down the street.
1: Right, exactly. So it was basically like people like Marsha just had had enough, and they stood up for themselves. And that was 51 years ago. So. In celebration of Pride, Calvin Klein, I'm sure you've seen this, April, um, celebrated their Proud and My Calvins campaign in celebration of Pride Month. And they did it with a billboard in New York City that featured the Black trans model and activist Jari Jones. And she was so excited. It's such an incredible watershed seminal moment for, for Black trans women everywhere to be on this huge billboard in New York City for this, you know, giant fashion brand, right? And she wrote about it in an Instagram post where she's, you know, popping a bottle of champagne. And she says, these are moments that I'd heard about that help you forget when the world told you never. These are these moments I heard about that help you heal when the society has tried to beat you down over and over again. These are these very real moments that I heard about that help you feel affirmed when you don't see yourself. I've been searching my whole life for those moments. I got tired of looking for those moments, so I decided to create them. Not for me, but for the next dreamer, outcast, queer, trans, disabled, fat, beautiful black piece of starlight waiting for their moment to shine. It is such an honor and pleasure to sit in my most authentic self and present imagery of a body that far too often has been demonized, harassed, made to feel ugly and unworthy, and even killed. And I present this image myself and all that my body stands for to my community, my chosen family, in hope that they see themselves more clearly than ever and further realize that they are worthy of celebration, of compassion, of love, and gratitude. And she ends with Black Trans Lives Matter. And, you know, so much about the BLM movement is about representation. So I think it's incredible and it's promising, April, Mm -hmm. to see, you know, the fashion industry already making these sorts of stride to represent all people. So we'll really see if it sticks moving forward, but I really, truly think it will.
0: Yeah. And um, we didn't talk about what we were going to discuss today before we jumped on the mic, as one says. Um, but what you said just leads in perfectly to the next thing that I want to talk about, you know, speaking of seeing yourself. Right. Well, Crayola actually just launched a new venture. Um, they launched 24 new colors, which are going to be due out this month in July. And this new pack is called Colors of the World. And it is 24 new skin tone shades, which is very cool. Crayola had formerly had an eight color pack of multicultural crayons, Hmm. but they got a lot of criticism for that, saying that eight perhaps was not enough. But there's this new pack. (laughs) And they actually worked with a cosmetics industry veteran Victor Casale or Casale, sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. He's a chemist and he was actually the former director of research and design at Mac. So they worked with, um, you know, a makeup industry veteran to create all these new shades. Of course, who knows more about skin tone shades than certain members of the makeup industry. Right. So the crayons are going to um, have their color names in English, Spanish, and French on each crayon. Um, so yay. Good for you, Crayola. I think this is a great step in the right direction. And I'd like to read a little bit of a quote from the Crayola CEO. His name is Rich Worthily. He says, with the world growing more diverse than ever before, Crayola hopes our new Colors of the World crayons will increase representation and foster a greater sense of belonging and acceptance. So, I don't know about that statement, Cass. I have a little bit of an issue (laughs) with it. (laughs) You know, he says, with the world growing more diverse than ever before, I don't think the world is growing more diverse than ever before. But um, the world has always been diverse. It's just that certain industries are now taking notice. So we we applaud (laughs) them for this effort, but perhaps that statement wasn't actually factually correct
1: (laughs) no it's such a great initiative too i mean it's going to be so so cool for so many children who can now i mean essentially if you think of it you're a kid you get a box of crayons now when they color their families or themselves when they draw they can do it in colors that represent them so 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 incredibly important yes absolutely what else do you have for us this week? Well, I have a couple interesting articles to read because um I don't know if you've heard about the funeral corset um from Queen Elizabeth the First. No. Dis-moi. Right. So there's a dailymail.com article and Our British listeners are going to have to let me know what the Daily Mail is essentially because there's so much like gossip. Um, There's like so many different types of articles on there. So I just wonder how people in Britain perceive that site. But this is a really, really cool article. Lots of pictures. So Queen Elizabeth I's 415-year-old funeral corset is being carefully uh, conserved, restored ahead of a new exhibition at the Westminster Abbey. And so I guess the correct term, 16th century term, I guess would be bodies or stays. So like Mm -hmm. a pair of bodies um, because you would have had two pieces of the, what we now call a corset um, that would have been laced together in the front and the back. Um, So it's this really tiny corset, and it was not worn by her, but it was worn by her effigy, so basically like a life-size model or sculpture of her that was part of her funeral procession in 1603. And it was actually supplied by the Queen's tailor. His name was William Jones. And it was apparently based on a pattern of one of her own corsets or stays. And it's really this incredible piece. It's heavily boned, which is even more incredible when you just consider how it was all sewn by hand back then. Mm-hmm. And to get the bones into the corset um, back then took a lot of strength. <laughs> but it's a really fun article. It includes the costume designer and dress historian, Jenny Terramani, who we probably have to get on the show at some point. She's done incredible work with like pattern books on 16th and 17th century fashion. So she was part of the conservation team to make sure it was conserved correctly, historically with historical accuracy. Um, and it's one of 300 objects to be featured in this new exhibit. So yeah. I'll put a link to uh, this article so you can see for yourself. Interesting. I'm excited to look at that. For limited time dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun— yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba Okay, question for you. Have you seen or have you heard about this fashion brand called eShakti? No. Tell me more. Ah, okay. So again and again and again on the show, we have talked about how we see the future of fashion really being kind of like made to measure custom clothes for you that, that we've said again and again that we think like standardized sizing is going to be a thing of the past with the, with the aid of technology that's coming down the pipeline. Well, guess what? The future is here. Okay. So eshakti.com, it is a website. It's a fashion brand based out of India. I think their headquarters are in Chennai. And I think they've been in business for about seven years and get this, Cass. Everything on their site is customizable. So let's say you find a dress that you like. Well, they're going to let you, they're going to offer you like six or seven different sleeve styles. You can change the neckline. You like there's like 10 different hem lines. Like you can create the dress or the jumpsuit or the pants or whatever exactly like you want it. You can order it in a standard size, or you can have it made to measure for you for 12% more. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I when I discovered this, I was like What? How did I not know about this? Um, It takes about a couple weeks for delivery, and apparently the company, um, the CEO, his name is B. G. Krishnan, and on the website there's a statement from him saying, "Quote: Personalization is not a niche demand, but a pervasive and deep need given the diversity in human shapes and sizes. Fulfillment, however, is hard. Eshakti has cracked the code on doing it to scale with the use of technology and unit production know-how." Fashion customization is that easy, fast, and affordable. Uh, with a new eShakti FX with a click, the dress morphs neckline, sleeve, and length right in front of your eyes. To many customers, eShakti feels like the future is here. And and just a heads up, I can't speak to any of their practices on sustainability or or labor rights or any of that, but this this, this system, this model. Is fascinating to me. And apparently, while the brand operates in India, um, the fashion design team is here in New York City, and then they have backup designers in India. um, And they have six factories, I think, at this point. Um, Some more information I found about the company comes from a 2017 article, so it might be a little bit outdated. But according to this article, you know, the database that they have, there's about 200,000 permutations in terms of, like, the design changes that can be made. And and how it all works is um, the dress is basically um, virtually modeled on a computer. And then the necessary changes, if you want to do either changing the sleeve or the neckline or whatever, um, or have it made to measure for you, it's all done in the computer. And then the pattern is adjusted and gets printed out and then sent to the factory.
1: And that's how it works. Very cool. I will have to check that out. I mean, made-to-order clothing is obviously way more preferable than its exact opposite, which is ready-to-wear. So we'll see what the future holds. um, And hopefully, more companies adapt this, um, you know, really innovative business model. And I hope they do it ethically and sustainably, as always. So let's see what else do I have to talk about? Oh, 2,300-year-old boot that was found almost perfectly preserved. It's now in the State Hermitage Museum's collection. It's this red cloth-wrapped leather booty. It's trimmed with, like, tin and crystals, and it has, like, glass beads on it. It's really beautiful, and it's in incredible condition. So really fun article on openculture.com that says, In the age of fast fashion, (laughs) when planned obsolescence, cheap material, and shoddy construction have become the norm, how startling to encounter a stylish woman's boot that's truly built to last. And then they just, like, for (laughs) 2,300 years. (laughs) And it helps that it had landed in a Scythian burial mound in Siberia's Altai or Altai Mountains. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Where the above boot was discovered along with a number of nomadic afterlife essentials. So it was basically found in a tomb. Um, So there was jewelry, food, weapons, clothing. um, And the article goes on that these artifacts and their mummified owners (laughs) were well preserved thanks to permafrost and the painstaking attention the Scythians paid to their dead. So apparently the curators at the British Museum had written a little bit more about this and I wanted to share it because it's pretty fascinating about this Scythian, uh, you know, burial tradition. So they wrote, um in a two thousand and seventeen exhibition, that nomads do not leave many traces. But when the Scythians buried their dead, they took care to equip the corpse with the essentials that they thought they needed for their perpetual rides of the afterlife. They usually dug a deep hole and they built a wooden structure at the bottom. For important people, these resembled log cabins that were lined and floored with dark felt. The roofs were covered with layers of of larch, birch bark, and moss. Within the tomb chamber, the body was placed in a log trunk coffin and it was accompanied by some of their prized possessions and other objects so such as this, this shoe which I'm sure there maybe was another one at another point I don't know and so it's just a really interesting article um, very very cool boot and we will post a link to it uh, and that page was just really fun and that website too they had a bunch of really cool articles one of which included quote the ancient Romans first committed the sartorial crime of wearing socks with sandals <laughs> <laughs> So lots of fun things to discover. And again, like I said, we'll post a link so you can check this out for yourself. Great. I want to read it too. So yeah, that I think, does that do it for us today, April? Lots of fun things to go out and do and read and, and learn more about. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for joining us for our mini-sode this week. We do hope that you will
0: tune into to our full-length episode on Tuesday. If you would like to um, write to us, please feel free to do so. You can email us at dressed at iheartmedia.com or you can DM us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast. Uh, This is where we post images to accompany each week's episode. Please send us a message if you have a a question or if you have a suggestion for a future fashion
1: history mystery. Um, And we will catch you all on Tuesday. Yeah, and of course, special thanks to our producers, Holly Fry, Casey Pegram, everyone else at iHeart. Radio, who makes the show possible each and every week. We will talk to you soon. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.